They might be giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This ad was paid for with somebody else's money. Thanks to Third Love for supporting Muller She Wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering you 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash AG to find yours today. Thanks to Noom for supporting Muller She Wrote. Sticking to a weight loss plan can be hard. Noom is designed for results. It's out with the old habits and with the new. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. And thanks to Skillshare for supporting Muller She Wrote. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. And thanks to Best Fiends for supporting Muller She Wrote. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike any other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. Download free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Scott Dworkin from the Democratic Coalition, and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. What's up? How are you? I think a little something different today. <laughs> they don't know what's up. Nice. Keep you on your toes. Ooh. Um, you're rested, you said? Yeah. Oh, good. That's a good feeling. Yes, it is. Yes, I got a lot of sleep yesterday. Good. Oh, sleep nice. is good. I, I've been sleeping on our new Helix mattress. Oh. Which are, you know, not not to, not to you know. Give free ad time. Yeah, not to give free ad time, <laughs> but they are one of our advertisers. And holy shit, their mattresses are so comfortable. Isn't it the it's best? It's like sleeping on a cloud. I know. I have the same one. It's the best. Yeah. And I can actually... TMI here, but if you are a lady with wide hips or, you know, big boobs or whatever, and you really struggle to sleep on hard mattresses, this is a dream. Yes. So good. Anyway, there you go. You're welcome, Felix. <laughs> I'm just so happy. <laughs> Bill him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a great show for you today. Maya Wiley is joining us later for the interview. She hasn't been on our show yet, so I'm really, I was really excited to speak with her. Um, we'll be discussing impeachment. Uh, we're hard at work getting the studio ready for video, and you can access that by becoming a patron at any level by heading to patreon.com slash wrote. Your contributions go towards paying high wages and offering health care, and now we're going to add 401ks to our Ooh. small but mighty staff. Um, and I hadn't told you guys that yet. No. So, su- surprise. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty sick. And it's a twofer, because your contribution makes you a patron of both Muller She Wrote and our daily news podcast, The Daily Beans. Follow at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter, and we'll be picking a random winner to have dinner with myself and the Starburns Audio Network CEO, Jason. We'll fly to you. He's fancy. 
Uh, we've been getting a lot of compliments on the newsletter. Um, we've redesigned it. Patrons, you get that every Friday now. It includes links to every article we read during the week, uh, my research notes, infographics, and the latest information on, on both of the podcasts. So, again, that's uh, for patrons, our mm-hmm. newsletter. So, well done. Yay. And uh, we have a lot of news to get to today, including an impeachment update, new investigations into the NRA, the Ukrainian natural gas company linked to Rudy could have been bribed, and Mitch McConnell's Kentucky aluminum plant. We have eight new legal opinions from Barr designed to protect Trump, the Supreme Court decision in three Trump tax cases, and some questions about Nunes. And we'll get to all of that, plus the Fantasy Indictment League. But first, it is time to start with my favorite segment, Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Okay, so let's see. We had a bunch. Um, did did you get any of the koala bear ones? <laughs> yes. Okay. We got so many, but I didn't include any of them. Okay, because I know they're not bears. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We probably got four or five corrections being like, koalas are not bears. They're marsupials. Yes. So we are aware. I just didn't include any of those because they're not know. political. Yeah. We just, uh, San Diego Zoo when I was a kid. They're koala bears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kangaroos are kind of just like skinny bears. So <laughs> they, they're still very bear-like. Um, have you seen a video of a like muscular koala? Yeah. Yes. Or, not koala, sorry, Terrifying. kangaroo. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. I, one night when I was... The buff broke... Rue? Yeah, he's like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, fucking terrifying. <laughs> I fell into like a K hole of watching kangaroo videos on YouTube one night. I don't know why. K hole, kangaroo hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I and they're fucking terrified. They chase after you. They're terrifying. Yeah, yeah. They fuck you up. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are huh. totally. They're big. Too. They're also marsupials, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. Much I, like I, koalas. I, yes. Much like. Much oh. like. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we did know that, so thank you. Yeah, I didn't. Um, <laughs> from, from uh, to, oh, and the bear cat is also not a bear. Uh, I'm just Ooh. bringing that up to let you know the Bornean Binturong, it's also known as. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I did see two kids discussing the bear cat, and one said to the other at the zoo, Oh, well, see what happened is a bear mated with a cat, and um. <laughs> Which led me to go around and just say completely incorrect things at front of in front of animal exhibits. Like uh, we stood stood in front of the giraffes and say, "These are young elephants. You can tell by their necks." You know, mm-hmm. just whatever <laughs> wrong shit we can say. Fun fact: Also, the koala is my favorite animal. Always Aww. has been Aww. my entire life. I actually like had, which is funny for a girl coming from a cold part of Canada that a koala would be my favorite animal. <laughs> but I just was obsessed with them. And my mom took me on a trip when I was a teenager to the Toronto Zoo so she could take me to a special exhibit with the koalas who were actually visiting from the San Diego Zoo oh. to the Toronto Zoo. My Ooh, mom took me there one summer so I could <laughs> meet koalas for the first time. So I'm pretty devastated at this news. Um, but yeah, that oh, was my favorite. Yeah. So my, like, my, I have a stuffy in my like box of baby things. That's a koala. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And let's see. So let's start here from Tanya Baxter. I love the show on the subject of climate change. AG recently said, we, America, are the only country that has a party that thinks climate change is not real. Well, I'm ashamed to let you know that we in Australia also have deniers in our parliament and indeed a government that doesn't give a fuck about the climate. This is particularly grating right now as we currently have an enormous number of out of control bushfires burning the country down. So that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, from Linda Lee Henriksen, the resignation of Canadian leader of the opposition. Fact, Andrew Scheer did not misappropriate funds for private schooling for his children. The Conservative Party provided the funds as part of an agreement that was made with Scheer. He did nothing illegal. The reason he stepped down, uh, not the reason he stepped down. Fact, he lost the election and the confidence of his party and was pressured to step down now well in advance of the next election. He's still a member of parliament. Mm. From John. Okay. So then if there's a question of 
why would he be punished in that way, but not the full extent of not being a member of parliament anymore? Yeah. Yeah. So that's still out there. But And then from John, uh, I don't necessarily like Tulsi Gabbard, but in my opinion, she is not a Republican. And I think you really should reconsider referring to her as such. She supports Medicare for all, marijuana legalization, gun control, free college. Yes, she sucks with most everything else, but calling her Republican is Trumpian. Like when Trump calls Comey and Mueller and everyone else Democrats. Just another way of saying the others. Um, Being an asshole doesn't automatically make you a Republican. We have uh, them on the left as well. Good point. Yeah. Have we called her a Republican? Uh, Probably. Oh, okay. Well, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I guess I should have voiced that. She's not a Republican. (laughs) Yeah, she she could switch parties to independent or libertarian, um, but she does. Her core values are that of a Democrat. Mm -hmm. I would I would say. Yeah. Um, So thank you for that. Um, He he also says I'm here for the duration. Let's win this fucker in 2020. (laughs) Go John. Uh, From Johan or uh, Johan. Oh my bad. Oh, this is. That yeah, was yeah, John. That was my bad. This is was you. it John? That was John. Oh, good. Wow, that's what a coincidence. Because I was reading. Now Johan. we're good. Now we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Johan. The next one. Right, right, right. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go, Johan. Uh, here we go. <laughs> he says this is referring to Goebbels, um, the quote you had in Daily Beans last week. It seems he never said that specifically, but actually accused Germany's enemies of doing it. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and those are our uh, political corrections this week. Easy. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, and uh, so we had four political corrections and then multiple koala yes. bear corrections. <laughs> yes, and we had a few other corrections about, you know, various small details about how we worded things or pronounced things or whatever, and those are great, and we are going to do special episodes um, for patrons coming up in the new year where we include, like, additional corrections, fun ones, mm-hmm. non-political ones, but we're going to try to keep it focused on politics on the show. Yep. Cool. Sounds, Sounds good? fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with uh, corrections out of the way, uh, let's hit the news with just the facts. All right, a little bit of an impeachment update. We go into impeachment in more detail in the Daily Beans, um, which will come out Monday morning to the public and Sunday night to patrons. So first of all, we had um, uh, this week, we know we had the the hearings and then they did the markup on the articles, right? So they did that one hearing and then they did like, they started at 7 p.m. and then did them all day the next day. And at the end... Uh, there was a bit of a surprise because everyone thought uh, for sure that they were going to vote on the articles after the debates were mm-hmm. done. But it was about 11. It was after 11 p.m. And so Nadler made the decision. I don't know when he made it, but he. But we all first heard it when he announced it. He gaveled out. He adjourned and said that they were going to vote in the morning. And uh, Doug Collins' head exploded. <laughs> hey, man, it's 911. I ain't in here to make a little mark, man. Go dig. Boom, man, it's a fire day. And it don't that gun that out everywhere, man. I don't know. So many men run out there. I don't know if he did check me and Joan going to be coming down here. Sir, you are going to have to speak more slowly. I cannot understand you. Dang, oh, make low mark. That talk about them all. That is boom. I'm just kidding. That's Boom Hauer. Here's the actual clip. It up with one side and the other doing our final comments like we did. And then to do that right there shows that Chairman Nadler's integrity is zero. His staff is zero. They have nothing that they can offer anymore except the kangaroo court that we've seen for the last three days. The giant rubber stamp that you've just seen in this committee has made this committee irrelevant. This chairman has made himself irrelevant. That was the most Bush League play I have seen in my life because they want to simply get him back on the cameras because it's after 11 o'clock tonight and they don't think enough people is watching. I have never 
never seen anybody want to get in front of these cameras more than this group right here because they don't have anything to impeach this president on. They don't have anything that they can move on except do Bush League stuff like this. Anybody in America, this should show the American people why this right here is wrong. They should show, this, this is right now, why this president has been attacked for three years and tonight it showed it completely. Okay, so that's that was Doug Collins um, calmly responding <laughs> to uh, being mad that he had to come to work on a Friday, pretty yes. much. A most distinguished response from a <laughs> ranking member. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it, ha- headlines and newspapers everywhere um, the next morning had the, the photo that's going to become famous of, mm-hmm. of Nadler mm-hmm. sitting there mm, and Collins like, <laughs> looking like he's sucking a butt. It's weird. Oh, God. He's on his period. Uh, hey. <laughs> His butt period. Manopause. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> Not that I'm shaming there are no periods. You know what I mean. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he's insane. Uh, yeah. And there were a lot of insane uh, things that happened during th- those hearings. I love the debate style better. Gomert wouldn't stop talking about the steel dossier. Uh, and he kept saying, it's why we're here right now because of the phony dossier. But that's. No, not, it's not why we're here impeaching Trump. Uh, it's got nothing to do with it, but we did learn something new about Christopher Steele last week when the IG report came out. And Jordan, you have that story. Yeah, so this is interesting. Uh, Horowitz's team uncovered and included information about previous contacts that Steele had with one of the members of the Trump family over the years, uh, who we now know to be Ivanka, Ivanka Trump. So the two met back in 2007, apparently at a dinner, and what they were doing is just discussing the possibilities of them working together and the capacity of him being an intelligence master, whatever. Uh, They thought he was good then, thought he was good enough to work with him then. Uh, And then they, I guess, met again the next year in 2008, presumably to continue that same conversation. Oh, that's right, because they wanted to hire him. Mm -hmm. And sources that are familiar with the meeting said Ivanka and Steele were discussing what Steele's intelligence firm, Orbis Business Intelligence, could provide to the Trump organization directly as it geared up to expand its real estate arm into foreign markets. (laughs) So they were having multiple conversations about hiring him to, yeah, I guess just help them, you know, move into these different Markets. I'm just rewording the same sentence I just said. But with confidence, I guess, in the uh, intelligence aspect of it. So nothing, nothing actually went through, though. They didn't really. It doesn't, at least not from what I've read so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, no deals were like formalized between them. But it does. It is a glaring indication that them trying to discredit him either means they were incredibly short-sighted when they previously were looking at soliciting his work or uh, they're just lying because they're backed in a corner. Yeah, and then we also have all the uh, accusations that he was biased, Chris Steele was biased against the Trump Mm -hmm. family and, and that came out when I believe Horowitz had gone to UK to interview him and he said, if anything, I have a favorable view of the Trump family because I'm a bam, 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 bam. I've been really trying, baby. <laughs> yeah. My prediction is if the story gets more traction and people start asking more questions about it, they're going to say, the Trump side will say, yeah, we thought about using him, but he's so incompetent that we didn't give him the job. And then he did the dossier as a hit piece because he was mad at us yeah. for not hiring him. I bet they'll say that. Yeah. If they, if they even bother. Yeah with it at all with mm-hmm. rep- replying to it with and there was an article that came out like before the IG report was released that said uh, Chris Steele was notified about a piece of information about him that would be coming out in the IG report 
and didn't give him a chance to respond to that. And I'm wondering if, if that was the piece. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the uh, articles of impeachment passed the judiciary. Next, we expect a robust report by tonight, Sunday night at midnight, uh, with a detailed explanation of the articles. And I'll go over what we expect to be in that report with Maya Wiley, Wiley later. Um, because, you know, they alluded, the articles of impeachment allude to Mueller, but don't mention him by name. And they, they are just trying to establish a pattern of behavior um, and, and looking at the totality of the evidence. And I think that that will be more, in, it will be explained in more detail when this report comes out. We don't have it as of this hour. Uh, and she and I will we'll also discuss McConnell and Graham oh, this weekend. <sighs> Um, so McConnell was like, well, I'm just going to be working with the president on everything and putting forth what he wants in the mm-hmm. Senate trial. And then Lindsey Graham saying, I'm not even going to pretend that I'm a fair juror yep. or something like just absolutely ridiculously. Like, I don't even know. I can't wait to see his face when Chief Justice John Roberts administers the oath to him. <laughs> just like... And what's he what, like? What's he swearing on? Right. Like maybe it's just, it's like a, a Bible cover, but inside is like a Playboy magazine. <laughs> just like a picture of Trump, <laughs> like the one with uh, uh, Melania in it. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to swear. At, but it's just interesting uh, because he, you know, he's purportedly man of God and uh, trying right. to be fair and all this other stuff. And he will be required to take an oath that he's going to do this. Um, fairly. Judiciously and fairly. And yeah. he's, he's already said with his mouth, I'm not not going to do it. So I wonder if anyone will bring that up. Oh. Just kick it off with a bunch of drama. <laughs> it should be in the opening <laughs> arguments. If, if yeah. uh, I, I would put it, I would put it in there. Yeah. Because I mean, <sighs> yeah. And sadly, um, the, like there's. <sighs> The Republicans' whole strategy in the House of Representatives uh, for impeachment, because the House has sole uh, authority to to impeach the president in the House, ha- have gone on with their defense that this is a sham process and there's no due process and it's fake and it's a kangaroo court. And, of course, they're accusing their enemy of that which mm-hmm. they are guilty of because that's what's going to happen in the Senate. And so it's going to be it's, that makes it really hard for us to be like this is a sham process because they'll just be like well you started it mm-hmm. and so I uh, you know I fear for that but I'm, I'm interested to see how they um, how they write that into or discuss it in the opening arguments if they touch it at all yeah because it's it's hard to defend against a sham process defense and then go in with that knowing it's a rubber stamp in the right. Senate and that they already before they even see it or hear any evidence they're just going to vote a specific way yeah I hope the Democrats go into this just knowing that they're not going to get the outcome that obviously they want and that knowing that they're just going to go through this with as much dignity as they can and just be professional and just get it done calm and yeah we don't yeah. really have another choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know no the other choice is not sending the articles to the Senate and I'll go over that a little bit later in the show um, but Tuesday night, um, Tuesday, first of all, during the day, there's going to be a rules committee hearing during which the House will hammer out the process to send the articles voted on by the judiciary to the full House for a vote. Pelosi says she has not whipped any of her caucus, um, meaning she's not trying to uh, persuade <laughs> any of them. So great. I know. <laughs> she wants to let members vote their conscience. Mm. So she said that. And then Tuesday night, there are mass demonstrations planned uh, on impeachment because Tuesday night is believed to be the eve of impeachment in over 400 cities. Um, there's a lot of different 
mm-hmm. uh, protests and demonstrations. Not protests, but demonstrations for impeachment. Is there a hashtag or some sort of rallying? I signed up for the one in San Act Diego, Blue? which, yeah, I think that does sound right. But yeah, it's ha- I know it's happening um, on Waterfront Park in San Diego tonight, actually, after we, or today. Oh, it's not uh, Tuesday night? No, they said that they were going to do it. The one that I'm thinking about had organized a bunch the Sunday before okay. they expected it to happen. Um, now, there is no vote on the calendar yet scheduled in the full house. Uh, I think they're just taking it one step at a time. I don't I don't presume to sort of uh, postulate or hypothesize that that means they won't mm-hmm. have a vote. Um, so I just want to make that clear. But... Um, there are tons of demonstrations. You can just look them up. Yes, uh, on on the on the move web. on is the one. Move that on this dot org. One is through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got an email that says uh, San Diego impeachment rally typo in the <laughs> subject line. <laughs> That's <laughs> the We're house going to the president. <laughs> it says the house will probably vote on impeachment in a few days, so we will rally at noon to one p.m. Sunday, December 15, 2019. That means right now. Right now. <laughs> right now is what it's happening at Waterfront Park on the west side of the county admin building. Got it. Yeah. I so, wonder, I'm, I'm sure that there are Tuesday night demonstrations yeah. mm. uh, planned in our town, too. Totally. There's over 400. 401, I think, was the last count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in related news, I wanted to wait to see, you know, talking about withholding the articles from the Senate or, you know, sitting on them for a minute. Uh, I was all ready to wait and see what the Supreme Court said about the three Trump tax cases before I made up my mind on an impeachment timeline, personally. Um, During last Friday's Supreme Court conference, they considered granting certs um, in both the Cy Vance and House Oversight Mazar's subpoena cases, and they were considering a stay in the House Deutsche Bank and Capital One subpoena case. Mm -hmm. They have granted both certs. They will hear arguments on the merits in March. Uh, and we should expect a decision in the June-July time frame unless Damn. they decide to come out with a decision sooner. And they granted the stay in the Deutsche Bank case as well. And then, of course, January 3rd, we have the D.C. District Court of Appeals hearing the Mueller grand jury materials and McGahn cases as well. Those haven't made it to the Supreme Court yet. Um Hmm. January 3rd, presumably they would make it in the March time frame. And, and so all five cases would probably be, if they decide to hear all five, uh, would be heard in March with um, decisions out in June, the June-July time frame. So this leaves us with a couple options. I mean, obviously, the, I think that they will vote on articles of impeachment this week in the full House, um, probably send them to the Senate after this Christmas break. Uh, one option is that we can just allow these this tax stuff to come out right in the middle of the campaign and just mm-hmm. make it a public thing, and 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 that just helps us with the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Uh, another option people are talking about is we can impeach him again. I don't know how politically what a good idea that is. We're yeah. all kind of sick of it, uh, and I hate to say that because I don't want to be, but that doesn't belittle the fact that it is tiresome. Mm-hmm. It is tiresome. It's a factor. I do think, though, that... To remain consistent, again, with the reason that I think they're continuing on with impeachment currently is because they have to. They're morally obligated to. So it does raise a really interesting question of what different avenue then can they exhaust after this then if it's not going to be through Congress again? Right. And if they are morally obligated to impeach, which is why they're doing it now, why wouldn't they be morally obligated if if Mm -hmm. federal you know, financial crimes came to light or, you know, his loans were underwritten by Russia or, some, you know, something mm-hmm. 
really like smoke and gun type shit that's I'm in these sure financial records. More stuff will come out. And so then you have to say, well, if it was our duty to impeach for the Ukraine shakedown scheme, isn't it also our duty to impeach for these crimes? And then, of course, there will be the arguments politically made, probably on both sides, that say, hey, we're in the middle of an election year now. We are, but you know, presumably by the time any subpoenas work their way through the courts, it would be well past the election mm-hmm. uh, if they you know, needed to do additional subpoenas, although they might not. They might have everything they need in, in these subpoenas. And then, of course, the Vance stuff, we probably won't even see. That's going to a grand jury, and that's part of his investigation. Um, and, and it's interesting because that puts him past the statute of limitations for misdemeanor fraud, mm-hmm. uh, which means he would have to be able to prove felony fraud. In his cases, you know, once he got um, the eight years of business tax documents from Mazars. And so then does he indict a sitting president because he's not under the Department of Justice and he's not beholden to, um, although some might argue that the Department of Justice federal courts aren't beholden to it either, that Office of Legal Counsel memo that says you can't indict a sitting president. Mm -hmm. Um, So we could have Trump tax stuff come out and an indictment of the president out of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office right in the middle of election season. And the argument would be, look, hey, the election is right around the corner. Let the people decide, which is kind of what Comey's been saying this whole time. Let the people decide. And, you know, we've been over here uh, like, hey, it's your duty to impeach. And they and they've done it. But then it does. Br- it does bring up mm-hmm. that question. Is it then your duty to impeach again if he crimes again? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, God, it's tough because I bet you for a lot of Democrats, they have some constituents who are like, yeah, impeach him for everything. Fucking go for it. But other constituents who are like, I'm exhausted. Yeah, totally. And also Democrats in Congress, too. Like there's. That one dude who, there there are Democrats that exist in purple districts, too, that Mm -hmm. are kind of like, my hands are sort of tied here. I don't know how much longer I can go along with, you know, the will of the Democratic Party when Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get reelected back in my district. Yeah, the Van Drew guy switched parties. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that was... Although he was kind of really already a Republican. Right, yeah, he was one of the people I was thinking of, totally, Mm -hmm. that was coming from, like, a super swing district. Or, yeah. Yeah, that was purple district, yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that that's the whole don't send them to the Senate theory. And a lot of people are like, well, since McConnell has said it's going to be not a fair trial and Lindsey Graham has said he won't be a fair jury. And then we've got Johnson who might have to recuse himself. And, you know, then we're at a then what does that do to the voting majority in the Senate as far as, far as the trial goes? Probably nothing. <laughs> since yeah. They make the rules um, under the Constitution. That's fair. That's yeah, what they yeah. get to do. <laughs> not, a, not a complaint. Not a complaint. <laughs> Just an unfortunate fact. Uh-huh. And um, there, there's also um, the thought that, and I'll talk to Maya Wiley about this a little bit later, that, um, you know, doing that could really bolster the Republican argument that you're taking due process away from the president because the House is Democrats and they have sole responsibility to impeach and the Senate is Republicans and the Constitution has given them sole responsibility to, to try and convict uh, and remove if, if they find or acquit or dismiss whatever they decide to do. So that would actually take a giant chunk out of what would be due process um, if it were a fair trial, but you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. How, who knows what they'll say? We, I think it's just going to be talking points, and that the, they'll they'll have the trial. So we will be right back with more news, including some new investigations. So stay with us. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by my new favorite bra by women, for women, called, well, people who identify as women, Third Love. Third Love is committed to finding the most comfortable bra you've ever worn. Half of all women fall in between cup sizes, including myself, so it was practically impossible to find a bra that fit perfectly off the rack until I found Third Love. Third Love has 80 different sizes, industry leader, uh, including their signature half cup sizes. With Third Love, I was able to find my perfect fit in about a minute by taking their Fit Finder online quiz. They use data from millions of real women and have uh, that have already taken the quiz and they take into account cup size and shape to find the ideal bra for you. They have fit stylists available every day to help via text, chat, or telephone. It's absolutely the most comfortable bra I've ever worn. I'm kind of obsessed. They're all I wear now. The straps don't dig. There's no tag, um, so it doesn't itch. Um, the bras are light, and I hate when you pull the tag out and then you get a hole in your bra. So there's none of that, and they're lightweight with super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape. And best of all, Third Love has the perfect fit promise, and this is their philanthropic side, which I love. You have 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test, and if it's not the perfect fit, you can return it and Third Love will donate it to someone in need. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash AG for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. All right, new investigations popping up every day. Um, it's investigations whack-a-mole. So watchdog group American Oversight, we've talked about them a lot on this show, have filed a pair of lawsuits this past Wednesday for Treasury Department records. Steve, uh, <laughs> as part of its investigation into ties between Trump administration officials and a Russian company that has invested $200 million in an aluminum plant in Kentucky. Mm. The FOIA suit uh, seeks communications between Steve Mnuchin, Mnuchin, whatever, and uh, multiple entities, including EN Plus and its subsidiary, Rusal. These are companies, if that sounds familiar, uh, associated with Russian oligarch we know to be Oleg Deripaska. And as you know, he worked with Manafort. He, uh, Manafort owed him a bunch of money. Deripaska sued him. And then Manafort went to work for Trump. And then all of a sudden, the lawsuits disappeared. And he had briefings via Konstantin Kalimnik, who mm-hmm. was also indicted. Yachts. Uh, yachts on yep. boats. Mm-hmm. And that's where Nastya Rybka came into play because she had video because she was, uh, the, you know, Deripaska was her boyfriend, quote unquote. And, <laughs> Hired you know, boyfriend. Don't like labels, but that's what she says. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so she had video of this download of, of information and Manafort shared polling information with this guy. So that's who Deripaska is. He's also sanctioned. Um, they're also seeking, well, not anymore. They're seeking communications with Mitch McConnell, who voted to lift sanctions on those entities just prior to the deal with Brady Industries. That's the company building the plant in his home state of Kentucky. Um, in December, the Treasury said it would be lifting sanctions on Deripaska because he sold off uh, uh, the majority of his shares, at least half of his shares. Mm-hmm. But they all went to his family and the Kremlin. Um, and so... The sanctions placed on him were for 2016 election interference by the Obama administration. And Brady Industries announced the deal in May, earning McConnell his Moscow Mitch moniker. Um, American Oversight filed for a request last April, and the Treasury has yet to comply, which is what prompted the two lawsuits filed last week. So we'll keep you posted on that case as it makes it makes its way through the courts. I'm glad that this is happening, because when that story first broke, it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Kentuckians were that way. They were like, what? Yeah. Remember when we saw the video of that rally where everybody was like, Moscow Mitch, Moscow Mitch, and, mm-hmm. and he's up there like, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, and then also, I forget what the split of the deal was, but it was something where, like, 
so much of the shares of the project is going to the Russian Tide Company versus the American-based company, too. So it's like none of it makes sense. No. At all. No. We have to remember Rand Paul's from there as well. Mm -hmm. And he had that love letter written uh, by Trump to Putin, like when he went to Moscow. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, can I get a letter from you so I can have a, a reason to talk to That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. special. I know. Yeah. I used to pass love letters like that in, in middle school to my so best friend, I. too. Yeah. You like yeah. fold, and you it fold them up in the triangle <laughs> with the flap inserted. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope that's how they communicate with each other. <laughs> and then somebody just eats it. Yeah. <laughs> all gel pens. <laughs> hearts for eyes. They dot, oh the, they dot their eyes with hearts. Oh I'm being God. impeached. Small heart above the eye. <laughs> I cast a lot of notes. Every report card I ever had growing up was like, Amanda is a very bright child, but she's very distracting to the other students with how much she talks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Every time. <laughs> Every single time. They were like, you could be applying yourself more if you didn't spend so much time talking and making friends. And I was like, but that's why I'm here. That's fun. I don't need I don't need your teaching to teach me things. I'm here to find a man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> third grade. I know, right, Jesus? I actually just watched Mona Lisa Smile recently, and I was, did you, have you seen that movie? Yes. I watched it, and I was like, no, go to school. <laughs> I've seen that. Is it about I mean, a woman who doesn't pursue education because yeah, which, of societal pressures? By the way, there's something wrong being a stay-at-home wife. I want to put that out there. Obviously I not. I think that's exactly what the description yes, reads. <laughs> about all these like women in the 1950s who went to Wellesley who were like budding you know feminist intellectuals and and they are like getting into these amazing law schools and they're like no I'm just gonna go have babies well which is fine obviously but in the movie the the way that they wrote the characters I was like no like it seems like they maybe wanted other things Um, but anyway yeah I did that in school totally what did your report card say what what, what Um, were the complaints on yours I mean I hate to disappoint so I really was just a fucking kiss ass. Oh, were you? Yeah. I did really well in school. Hated not being perfect. I was a square dude. Really? <laughs> that was in my actual like like classrooms. Except I did bite children. <laughs> in <laughs> You bit children? I, did. I wasn't I bit expecting children. that. I, bit chil- I forgot about that part. I bit children in kindergarten. Okay, that was a long Once time Once I ago. got to elementary school, I was like, okay, I get the rules now, I guess. <laughs> Don't you hate that? You have to <laughs> yeah. give up biting people when you... <laughs> yeah. When you hit the big time. Yeah. I really, I'm I like, in elementary school now. I need to stop biting yeah. others. I mean, it's all definitely origins of a person desperate for attention, really. So, But then when <laughs> I got... Now you're a comic. Yes. I Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, in school, my report cards were very much like, Jordan is a joy to have in yeah, class. Yeah, I was a pleasure to have in class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a mathlete. Mm-hmm. Were so, you? Yeah. Oh, nice. Shit at math. But I was really good at any sort of like language or social studies. That, that makes sense. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arty things. I was arts ca- I was arts president of student council. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds fun. That and cool. now you have blue hair. And now I have blue hair. <laughs> arts president. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We need a fucking secretary of art in this country. I, I, know. I that just made Republicans' out. heads explode. These <laughs> <laughs> fucking trophy, <laughs> trophy millennials. <laughs> I did all the things. I did musical theater. I did choir. I did band. I did debate. I did like history. I did all the things. History club. All, all of it. Just all not math. It. Just not math. I was yeah. so bad. I almost yeah. failed. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. Well, here we are. <laughs> you have any math questions? That's Let me ammo know. for Republicans being like, liberals don't know how to math. Whatever. <laughs> they don't understand. They're afraid of math because yeah. numbers are Arabic. Um, <laughs> God. 
And so, okay, so here's something interesting, too. And I'm going to talk to Maya Wiley a little bit later about mm-hmm. Bill Barr and, and why she thinks uh, he's a good candidate for impeachment. But uh, there's more to this story. Jordan, you have this from, I think it was the Huffington Post, right? Yes. So uh, Walter Schaub, it was pretty much a Twitter thread that he posted. And he's a former U.S. Um, head of U.S. Office of Government Ethics. He's a really, really good follow on Twitter, not yeah. to mention his public service record, but but he's just great on Twitter. Uh, and he came out on Tuesday with a thread this week saying basically that Bill Barr is a threat to democracy, like hands down, and yeah. and that he he's afraid that Barr's going to try to interfere in the 2020 election and that we would basically be stupid to think otherwise, that he's not going to do that. Um, and that the he Twitter, already has, right? With yeah, all of his trips exactly. overseas trying to discredit the Mueller findings or whatever the fuck? Exactly. Um, whatever the fuck? And, and that's pretty much what that's what this thread largely does. And I think it's, they picked up on this thread specifically because it just is a very concise, especially as far as Twitter threads are concerned, it's, it's very it's very concise and it's very to the point and it covers, again, what you just said, you know, the fact that he's going out actively engaging in these things. He has a history of doing it. We pulled our, you know, we pulled the covers over our eyes the first time when they confirmed him and he was saying, no, no, don't confirm this guy. He has a history of doing this. And then he comes in and does the exact same shit. Yeah. Um, one of one of the things that he pointed out was um, the fact that he came out in defiance of his own inspector general's report, obviously, this month that found the FBI's investigation uh, into Trump's ties to Russia were not political politically motivated. Um, And I thought that these were some of the best quotes from that thread. He says, Barr, who traveled the world looking for ways to defend the politician he serves instead of the rule of law, has also signaled he may use the criminal investigative apparatus of the state to go after perceived enemies of his boss, weaponizing it as a tool of a political party. It's important not to make the same mistake twice. Some people underestimated Barr's ruthless partnership partisanship before. No one should do that again. Like Trump. Barr is capable of doing anything he can get away with, and that includes interfering in the 2020 election if we let him. And I think that's the really important part is if we let him. Yeah, and and my understanding, you know, I mean, there's so many examples. There's the Southern District of New York hush money case that sort of went dark, and mm-hmm. a judge had to come out and close that and release everything over so that uh, anyone else in, in New York did pick it up. Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance picked that case up. Mm-hmm. There was the McCabe trying to indict McCabe, and he, I don't think he still has formally closed that investigation into McCabe. <laughs> so McCabe's just like out in the wind. Um, and then, of course, uh, recently with the Inspector General report with that low-level FBI employee who altered an email uh, in the FISA warrant case, mm-hmm. that was criminally referred by Inspector Horowitz to um, the Department of Justice. And so that is something I'm sure that he's looking into and probably wanting to indict that guy as well, although I don't think there's a case there for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't seen all the facts. I don't want to jump, you know, jump ahead of myself. Um, he, maybe there there is a, a smoking gun email where he was like, ha I totally changed the email and ha ha ha. You know, I, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen the I haven't seen all the, the the facts in that case yet. It just they have a track record of really weak cases. Yes. So. Yeah, there's the fact, obviously, of him spinning the Mueller report summaries in general <laughs> to the public. There's that. There's the fact that he willingly took the baton that Trump ripped out of Sessions' hands <laughs> and gave to him to come spirit in. spirit stick. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that alone, I mean, I know that you can't really blame Barr for that necessarily, but that's, he 
Schaub points out that that could even be an impeachable offense. It should be an impeachable offense, the fact that he fired Sessions so he could put someone in there that was going to shut down these investigations. It's just he has such a long trail. Like when we look back on this era, you know, whatever, 40, 50 years from now, it is going to be like Barr is going to be the name I think that sticks out to me. One of them, the yeah, most, for sure. Outside yeah. of Trump, obviously. Right. The most outside of Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Um, these are two headlines from the last week, and it really jumped out to me how different they were. One is from Slate, which is obviously more left-leaning, and the headline is, Barr is trying to erase the truth. Mm-hmm. And then there's a headline from the National Review, which is, Bill Barr has nothing to apologize for. And yep. like those are the two narratives being spun, <laughs> mm-hmm. essentially, just like night and day. One thing that was interesting to me, though, is you know how we often look to the Democrats who are in charge and think, even if we disagree with them, we have to trust them mm-hmm. and that they know what's best for us. We keep saying this. OK, I trust Nancy. I trust Adam Schiff. They know what they're doing. Like, I have to put some faith. This is kind of the narrative that is on this National Review article, too, which is like, um, you know, implying um, they're essentially saying, like, he must know more about this than we do. So we should trust him. So dumb. Well, Yeah. Yeah, so there he know. does know more about it for sure. Yeah, he knows all of all <laughs> but, but, but essentially just right? thinking like because you're so cl- I, I know more about it than they do. Right, I, but like but I they're kind of you? spinning the same thing. Right, yeah, you know what totally. I mean? That we, like we're trying to put trust in our party to lead us the right direction. But this is the same narrative that they're having here. We're saying like, okay, yes, you know, he may he may have come out against his own IG, but there's a reason for that. He must know things we don't know. Hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, just kind of interesting. I thought that narrative on the other side is kind of similar to what we're feeling Mm -hmm. that is interesting yeah I mean obviously I just have all these differences propping up in my brain because I just think they're so incredibly wrong wrong. yeah but (laughs) but yeah that is yeah that is the issue is that people are just blindly loyal to him and them Mm -hmm. yeah well they allow them to be yes so mm-hmm. they allow them to continue to maintain this sort of I mean, our dystopian mm-hmm. falsehood in their head. And, and so it, it brings them comfort that, uh, that they can do that, mm-hmm. that someone's allowing them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would also like put more faith into the party who's actually doing research and, and investigative work and bringing forth witnesses and rather than the party who's going, you did nothing wrong. We don't have to provide any evidence, you know, like it's a lot. I think it's nothing to see here. No, nothing to see here. So yeah. anyway, yeah, you're right. Thank you for that story yeah totally yeah, he is a scary dude i'm gonna read that article too because yeah. I'm, I'm just curious i'm just curious what is in their brain oh right the national now. review one yeah 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 because i feel like democrats i'll make this point quick but like D- democrats when we give faith uh you know when we have faith in pelosi it's because we know and have confidence that they're working towards the end goal, which is bringing Trump, who is a known criminal in multiple ways, to justice, at least in the political sense. Whereas with Bill Barr, are they thinking, you know, I just trust him because he'll to, cover everything because up he's gonna for cover, us? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's going to cover everything up. It's like, I, I hardly doubt that they're like, you know, I believe he's going to bring, he truly has like a correct conception of justice i feel like they're just thinking i truly believe he's going to do everything he can to keep a republican in power yeah and, in yeah, that and, sense, they, and they stop short of that argument right the the logic of that argument like hey we don't we shouldn't have to hand everything over the tr- trump's taxes are his private affair no one should have to see any of this we shouldn't have to hand over uh communications between the trump administration officials that's all protected by privilege and i trust that they're doing the right thing for our country and then it stops short of but why are you afraid of seeing what it is? Like, mm-hmm. no one ever continues that thought to its full conclusion, which is, but 
so if everything's on the up and up, why can't we just see mm-hmm. it all? And of course, the the self fulfilling prophetical argument is, you don't need to, and we don't we shouldn't waste our time with it. Right. right. And yeah. are you really so dedicated to that? Just on principle, yeah, that you shouldn't have to show them. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like okay, but let's just assume you didn't care about that thing on principle. Let's assume you cared about the actual issue at hand, right? And then, then, then what? And then stop walking around saying you're the most transparent president in history, if your whole argument is to keep these things from coming out because mm-hmm. you don't. There's no legal reason. There's no legal basis for you to get to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you're withholding shit quote-unquote unprincipled because you feel like you shouldn't have to it's called obstruction of justice bitch <laughs> whoa <laughs> you know anyway <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just fiery today uh, anyway also one more thing about bar is that he's part of this whole like mike pence vibes like you know we're ruining the moral order of society yeah kind that of big guy. uh fascio christo fascist uh-huh. speech that he gave yeah it's pretty yeah. scary I like He's that like, word, Christo-fascist. Christo-fascist. Yeah, well, you know, it's a thing. So he mm-hmm. that's something that kind of skeeves me about him, too. Mm-hmm. Skeeves. Yeah. That, I haven't used that word in a while. Heebie-jeebies. Yeah, mm-hmm. heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. Is skeeves a real word? Uh, I, or is it like a I, slang word? In it's, 80s high school movies, it's it is. Slang. <laughs> Skeevy. Skeevy chodes. I'm yeah. looking it up. <laughs> Skeevy chodes. <laughs> Skeevy chose locker. It's a real word. Okay, cool. <laughs> Skeevy chose locker. I missed that. What did you say? Like Davy Jones, like Jones, yeah. Skeevy chose locker. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with some hot notes and the fantasy indictment league. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Noom. It is hard to stick to a diet plan, especially around the holidays. Last year, I tried to go cold turkey on cold turkey, but ended up making sandwiches instead. Bread, it's my enemy and my friend. It's a love-hate relationship. I've tried different weight loss plans. Um, I've lost weight, uh, and in the past, I've gained it back, but not anymore. Uh, When I started using Noom about a year ago, I lost about 17 pounds, and it changed the way I think about weight loss and about food. It changed my relationship with food, and I've been able to keep it off. Uh, With Noom, you'll lose the weight and the guilt, and you'll learn how to develop a new relationship with food and help you live a healthier lifestyle. Burritos can be your friend. With Noom, you have a weight loss plan in your own hands, literally. It's on your phone whenever you need it. So you have a personalized training and support team for uh, less than the price of a single appointment with a nutritionist or a personal trainer. Noom makes food tracking super easy with one of the biggest food databases available and allows you to track your meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. What I like most is it doesn't use shaming and it doesn't tell you you can't have certain foods. It just teaches you moderation and how to identify and address the habits that have been blocking your success. Noom asks you to try something new, to commit to just 10 minutes a day to you. Try out the easy 30-second online evaluation to help see what your new uh, health plan will look like. Noom is designed for results. It's out with the old habits and in with the new, so sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash A-G to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G. Start losing weight for good. And this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Best Fiends. Uh, sometimes it's Muller She Wrote, and then it's Muller She Rests. So after a long day of resisting uh, the propaganda and corruption of this current administration, sometimes I really need a break from all the stress and craziness. And one of my favorite mental refreshers and palate cleansers is the new puzzle game app called Best Fiends. Best Fiends is engaging and fun with interesting story and challenging puzzles, but it's a casual game, so you don't have to be all gung-ho about it. You can play it as much as little or as little as you want. It's not timed, so there's no pressure or stress, which I love. It's just a great game. It's my go-to when I just need a break. I collect all the best fiends, I level them up, you can discover their special powers, and you battle the slugs from Mount Boom. I'm on level 76 now, which is great. I absolutely love this game. Um, 
to me, Best Fiends is a perfect game to keep my mind off the orange nightmare, and it keeps me relaxed and still challenged. The cool thing is the creators are constantly adding new levels and events, so it's always fresh. Uh, Best Fiends is free to download, free to download, and I love that you don't need the internet to play it, so it's great for traveling. I play it on the plane all the time, and on the subway, the DC Metro, it's good good there too. So give it a try. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect, collect tons of cute characters too. Five-star rated mobile puzzle game with over 100 million downloads globally. Holy moly. Download free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, best fiends. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. All right, we haven't had an NRA update in a while, Jordan, from you. And because we had two of your things today, Nunez and the NRA. Yes. So uh, I say you go with the NRA. I'll cover Nunez. Okay, that sounds good. Um, New York Attorney General Letitia James. Whoop, whoop. She's the best she's so in the awesome. world. Uh, she, Yeah, she's making a pretty aggressive stride in her investigation into the NRA and their masquerade as a law-abiding interest group. Uh, The office issued a wide-ranging subpoena. This is out of reporting from the New York Times, and that subpoena is requesting a bunch of different things related to uh, questions of campaign finance, payments and payments made to board members, and also tax compliance issues. There's really a lot of stuff, so I'll go into each of them a little bit in a second. One of the specific things they're looking into is the NRA's transfers of money between other NRA-controlled organizations, which is interesting. So like the NRA Foundation, for example. NRA Foundation had $36 million diverted by the NRA for reasons that could only be presumed to be sketch. So just like <laughs> moving money around between their themselves, essentially. Uh, it's also known that the NRA Foundation has transferred $200 million to the NRA between 2010 and 2017. So, the yeah, the question here is obviously because donations to the foundation are only the ones that can be tax deductible. Is the NRA donating money to itself from its own foundation and trying to claim it as being tax deductible that way? And the answer is probably yes. That's going to be my guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think uh, Tish James would be looking into it real hard if uh, she didn't have a feeling that there was some sort of malfeasance. Yeah. Uh, tax fraud going on. Exactly. And I didn't... I didn't know that only donations to the foundation were tax deductible. So, yeah, it's very, it's interesting. Just They're just trying to shave off money, like, in every step of the process. I think because it's a 501c4 political organization, political donations are not tax deductible. Okay. And so that's why they have, that must be why they set up the foundation. Yeah, so totally. That, so that people and entities could make and write off these donations and then just hand it, it on to over themselves. to themselves. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? It's that, nuts. That is really nuts. Um, the Attorney General of D.C., where the foundation itself is chartered, because NRA is chartered in New York, that's why Letitia James has it, and then uh, in D.C., they've got the NRA Foundation, so now their Attorney that General... stupid. Yes. To charter charity in New York. Yeah, why isn't it in Texas or something? Right? Yeah. We asked it the last time it's it came up. It's a pretty fucking blue state to put that yeah, in. Yeah, I don't know. Um, because Trump is in New York. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't, I don't, I don't think He's it runs. A Florida man now. I do not think it runs that deep at all. <laughs> Trump is a fucking Democrat, honestly, throughout a lot of his life. Looks for whenever you want to shoot someone on Fifth <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> yeah, right. that's why they put it that in was New an York. investment in that. <laughs> that was his only successful investment then, the NRA. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. I don't think that they have ties at all. That well, they do have ties for sure, but not 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 that intense. That was just a joke. Uh, but 
point is, Attorney General D.C. is also now going to be looking into the NRA Foundation. So hopefully we can be looking out for headlines from that office, too. Although the Attorney General in D.C. Uh-huh. Is that Jesse Liu? No, it's not Jesse Liu. Oh, no. The, uh, no, no, I no. I forgot his the, name. I don't not know. the write it down. federal attorney general in D.C., right? The the District of Columbia attorney general. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I could totally whip up his name super quick, but I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, so... The subpoena is also looking for documents related to the internal communications about NRA's FEC filings. And on top of that, communications about or between two political consulting firms. One is called Starboard Strategic and the other is on message. And so what's what's the, the complaint surrounding these companies? Basically, uh, it was filed by Giffords, which is a, a gun control group, by the way. Uh, so they alleged that the NRA paid millions of dollars to Starbird basically as a way to give money to Republican candidates as advised by the other group on message. And when they did this, they were circumventing the laws that restrict how much groups like the NRA can donate to political campaigns. Mm. Yeah. So basically just funneling money through a different organization, essentially. Uh, Giffords. Go ahead. Carl Racine is his name. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Carl Racine. Because Jesse Liu is the federal uh, attorney, U.S. attorney, U.S. attorney general, not yes. the D.C. attorney general. Cool. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Giffords sued the FEC for failing to act on that as well. So there's two lawsuits just related to those two companies and their interactions with the NRA uh, because they're making the claim that those two companies were functionally indistinguishable. Essentially, again, another scenario where they just have another company that exists for the sole purpose of having a funnel of money that can just go un unaccounted for as it should be did they bring up the advertising groups that you had reported the on Ackerman in the past stuff yeah. yeah yeah that is also another part of it too they brought up that as well because yeah there's and that one is interesting because um ackerman mcqueen i think it's called yeah. they're also pushing back on the nra saying that uh or well they're they're the nra is suing them saying that they overbuild them and then Ackerman McQueen is like, don't throw us under the bus. We didn't do this shit, you know? So it's like a really messy lawsuit that has a lot of different branches. And we haven't reported on that one specifically in like months. Yeah. So maybe I can look into that and see if there's any updates on that case. Um, but yeah, they did mention that too. This is such a like large, wide sweeping subpoena. Uh, the subpoena also asked for documents related to NRA's filings with the IRS, and that's a part of the continued probe into the NRA's tax-exempt tax status, uh, and if they really deserve that or not, ultimately. It makes me wonder if Tish James is going to take advantage of that new New York law that um, forces the tax returns, state tax returns, to be handed over. Mm-hmm. Because she could find in, in any of the, this NRA documentation that there was Trump super PACs involved and then Trump personally or Trump or Trump organization or anything involved in the Trump family. And that would give her cause to go under this new New York state law to get the state tax returns from the uh, New York state, um, you know, tax man. Uh, and she could turn those over uh, to Congress under this new law. That would be badass. I would be a fan of that. I like those beans. Because Richie Neal hasn't asked for them in the House Ways and Means Committee. I don't know if he has to, if it's a push-pull, if she can just give them or if he has to ask for them. Or if the Intel or the the Financial Services Committee or some other committee can get them or if it has to be Ways and Means. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were three committees, I think, listed in that law. Joint, um, like a Senate, House, Financial like the joint finance oversight or something like mm-hmm. 
Um, I'd have to look at what the, uh, and I know one of them is House Ways and Means. I have to look at what the third one is. I think it's a Senate committee, Senate Financial Committee. Mm-hmm. So there was like a um, a dual, a joint house, a joint finance, a Senate finance, and then the House finance. But uh, Regineal hasn't asked for them. And these are the committees that it was determined have like basically carte blanche authority to ask for those documents, right? For like uh, under the new, reason under the new tax law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but in the regular old law. It's the House Ways and Means Committee that has carte blanche to... Uh, actually, I think it's just Congress, but it became the House Ways and Means okay. Committee because that's where taxes are found. I have okay. to research that, but I think that's I think that's the case. Nice. Yeah. Well, there's so much in, intertwination. <laughs> I mean, I'm making that a word. I like it. Um, yeah, between, between those committees, between those cases that are in the courts, between, you know, what... Now, one attorney general, soon to be two, is going to be looking into just in and the intersections that all roads kind of are leading to the NRA to a degree in some way. Uh, So they're going to be investigated for a very long time, I'm thinking. I'm also not interested in how the Trump inaugural, which Tish James is also investigating, might tie into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because if the one was born out of the other. Right. Yeah, if like one of the main issues is funneling money into places where you're not supposed to have unfettered access to funneling money into, then that falls under that umbrella for sure, doesn't it? Mm, most definitely. Most definitely. Most. Yes. Yeah, they have a way of moving money around. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be fantastic uh, when when we hear the results of that investigation. And we will, because mm-hmm. she's Tish James. She's not beholden to this... Jag off. Yeah. Bill Barr. Jag I haven't said jag off. off in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting some some vintage slang up in here. Skeeves. Jag off. Skeevy chode. Jag off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to do the, you know, the uh, old sign for telling somebody off. Yeah. That's not a flip you, but a different, it's more like a, what do you, like grab your bicep and then put your fist up in the air. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. Good old gesture. It is, yeah. And then when I flip people off, I, 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 Use the like I don't do the flick off. Mm-hmm. I do the flip off where so the fingers are all. Oh, down. I didn't know that was the difference. Flip yeah. off versus so flick off is when you do like this thingy. That's what I say. This is not video. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting around giving each other the middle finger. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't seem tall enough when you when you yeah don't hold you your get, fingers all yeah, the way down. Like yeah, 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 I agree. Got to hold the other fingers in place to like have a higher middle finger, more yeah. triumphant middle finger. Yeah, that's true. You could like pull a tendon that way too trying to go at it too fiercely if you're holding all the other ones back <laughs> yeah we're talking oh. about <laughs> obscene finger gesture injuries <laughs> uh all right well thank you for that reporting yes yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> i hope they're fucked and i really think they will be eventually yeah yeah so they're already going bankrupt and that's just wonderful right and one of the reasons why maybe they're tr- they're transferring money all over the place too mm, yeah mm-hmm. so um Let's see. What are, I'm going to talk about Nunes today, but we already know that the entire Ukraine scandal was likely funded by Russia, okay? Because we just found this $1 million payment from a Russian account to Lev Parnas, and we'll go over that in the Fantasy Indictment League. He failed to disclose as part of his bail agreement. He was supposed to disclose, and his wife was supposed mm-hmm. to disclose all mm-hmm. of his stuff, and he he just didn't tell him about a million bucks he got from Russia, an account in Russia. Just a cool mail. But the uh, Republican ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee that investigated the Ukraine shakedown scheme, Devin Nunes, as we know, 
is involved in multiple lawsuits, but has yet to disclose how he's paying for the legal fees mm-hmm. involved in these multiple frivolous lawsuits. So every quarter, uh, as a politician, you have to file a campaign finance report. And the one Nunes filed for third quarter with the FEC shows he paid a Fresno law firm $3,400 for a suit filed against a retired farmer named Paul Buxman, who accused Nunes of being a fake farmer. But Nunez withdrew that case within weeks of filing it, probably because discovery was going to suck and show that he's a fake farmer. Uh, and the only le- that's the only legal fees that are listed in his disclosure. Nothing else. Uh, but we know Nunez has filed lawsuits against Twitter, two anonymous accounts on Twitter called Devin Nunez's cow and Devin Nunez's mom. <laughs> <laughs> laugh every time. So ridiculous. A Republican political strategist, some media companies, some journalists, a progressive watchdog groups, a political research firm that worked for Hillary's 2016 campaign, and Fusion GPS, and the retired farmer that, uh, that I just told you about. And everyone's wondering how he's paying for all this legal work. Um, all suits uh, were filed by Virginia attorney Stephen Biss, um, alleging the journalists and media companies and political operatives conspired to defame Nunes and undermine his ability to lead the House Intelligence Committee. But he's only reported that one payment to a different lawyer for the retired farmer case. Nunes has also said he will definitely be filing a seventh lawsuit, this God. one against AT&T, Verizon, and the House Democrats for releasing records of phone calls that showed him communicating with Trump allies in the Ukraine scheme, including Parnas, uh, the guy who we just found out received a million-dollar payout from Russia. Lucky number seven. He wants to open that lawsuit. He really, uh, 100,000 million beans on him pulling it out a week after he files it. Mm-hmm. According to the Fresno Bee, Nunes would have to set up a legal defense fund to accept free legal services or to receive money from a benefactor, but members of Congress have very strict rules against receiving substantial gifts, and Nunes has no so, no such fund set up. There are some legal exceptions that allow congressional reps to get pro bono legal services without a legal defense fund, but none of those exceptions or exemptions apply to Nunes because the lawsuits would have to have a public interest and cannot be personal in nature. And these are all... You may mean... You mean. my feelings. <laughs> yeah. You mean... Unless he's um, making the argument that they're like misleading the public or something, uh, which could affect their representation yeah, in Congress. I, I don't know. I don't know that that argument would stick um, because he's not suing on behalf of the public. He's suing on behalf of himself and he's seeking yes, monetary yes. damages. So, uh, yeah, the he, constituents of Devin Nunes. Yes. Shut up. They're like, no, we're fine. Yeah. You can just go. We're good. I would hope so. Now, he could be paying for these lawsuits himself, but defamation suits aren't cheap. Six figures, usually, when you're suing for over a million bucks in damages. And he's suing for like $200 million and $300 million. Uh, And Nunes reported, his reported income only shows his congressional salary, 174000 a year, and his wife's teacher's salary. Wow. That's a lot more than I thought they got. So that seems unlikely, unless he's come into some giant amount of money in 2019 that hasn't been disclosed yet, because you, you, he hasn't, you, the forms aren't due yet for 2019. Um, the most feasible explanation, though, is that he could be promising his lawyer a contingency fee if they win. Um, but that would require BIS to front all the costs. And most of these lawsuits are unlikely to produce any cash awards or settlements because they're all so dumb. Uh, but BIS is getting a lot of publicity out of this. Um, so it may be opportunism. He, you know, the House rules likely don't require contingency fees to be disclosed. They aren't mentioned in the House rules. So that's my guess is mm-hmm. that he, he's doing this on a contingency fee, kind of knowing they won't get any money awarded, but he's getting all this free advertising. Yeah, free advertising. And there was another article that I read that Andrew Jans, his unfortunately unsuccessful opponent in the last race, uh, was saying that, Democrat, he was saying that every time that he announces one of these things, just like you said, it's publicity for him. And then he gets all of this money from the conservatives in his district that are, you know, 
buying into this narrative that he's getting attacked from all these different people and then he can really just if 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 you solicit that money uh not necessarily under the explicit guise that it's because of lawsuits or something then you could just use that money however you want yeah he can say uh, help us defeat um these by donating to my political campaign mm-hmm. and as long as you spell it out that way and say this isn't for legal fees then it's all it's all above board um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's another unintended benefit from this or excuse me, intended mm-hmm. uh, benefit of this is that, oh, well, you know, every time I do this, I make another hundred thousand in donations from Republicans in my district. Mm-hmm. So that's another way for him to make money that way. Totally. And then when you talk about him just quickly withdrawing the lawsuit, then that makes sense for that theory, because all he really needs, similar to the Biden shit, is the <laughs> announcement of <laughs> just the announcement of the lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. And then people are like, oh no, and then give money. And- I need to help out my poor friend farmer, <laughs> yeah. Devin Nunes. $174,000? That's how much house reps make? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's pretty chill. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gonna run for office, Jordan. <laughs> I'm just thinking of- you have to win yes. every two years. What a great <laughs> get rich quick scheme. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of my get rich slow scheme, as Mitch Hedberg says. Uh, all right, uh, you guys ready for sabotage? Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right, so as I said, the, the prosecutors have asked the court to remand Lev Parnas for lying about his $1 million payment in the Southern District of New York that he received from Russia with love, um, which incidentally is our theme music. Uh, so... That's happening. Uh, Russia's funding the Ukraine shakedown. Makes sense. I mean, that's it seems like a Russian idea. And, it all, and Dr. Hill testified that these, this is all Russian. These are Russian talking points that, that are being spread by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, also, federal prosecutors are looking into Parnas and Fruman, and they're now focusing more on NAFTA gas. As we know, we've reported on this the last couple of times. They've been uh, looking at some of the like the CEO and then this other guy. They questioned who they wanted to replace the CEO. Um, and NAFTA Gas is a Ukrainian oil and gas company, which this indicates that uh, the pr- federal, prosecutors, federal prosecutors have said this indicates they could be looking into bribery charges uh, in the efforts by Giuliani, Parnas, and Fruman to replace their CEO with a friendly executive that could help their business prospects. The law, called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, is written for fucking Giuliani. That's who it was written for. Uh, and it basically... Um, it prohibits a U.S. company or individual from giving anything of value to a foreign official in order to obtain or retain business. And that's exactly what uh, Rudy was doing as part of his firm and himself. So he's doubly in trouble. Um, the sequence of events surrounding NAFTA gas appears to meet many of the elements necessary for a foreign bribery charge, according to former federal prosecutors. Quote, at any time, or excuse me, anytime you have some international business angle, um, thoughts understandably turn to the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, says Harry Sandick, a former uh, prosecutor in the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office. So that's um, so we kind of knew that they were investigating NAFTA gas, but now prosecutors are coming out and saying this could mean they're looking into bribery charges. It, it, it meets all the checks, all the boxes for, mm-hmm. for for bribery under Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So cool. keep that in mind. And are you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. I'm going to be indicted. No, wait, it's going to be a indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Oh, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! Okay, I get to go first. I wasn't here last week. Yeah. And you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yep. Giuliani. Yep. All right. I'm going to do <clears throat> T. 
since Parnas is apparently a liar now, just going to do superseding Parnas. All right, I'll do superseding Fruman. Are you allowed to uh, also do plea deal Parnas? Hold on. Which one of you did which? Oh, I did superseding Parnas. And I did superseding Fruman. And yeah, I mean, if you want to take up a spot on your team yeah, to do a Fruman plea agreement or a Parnas plea agreement? A Parnas, a Parnas plea agreement. Yeah. I don't know they'll give him one. I know. I don't know either. That's why I just put the superseding partners. But then I'm like, but I'm going to be so upset with myself. If they <laughs> do, yeah. Do you want both? Or, or yes, I want okay. both, please. Yeah. Also, uh, plea, plea deal, partners. Partners. Yeah. So you've got superseding and plea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Covering your bases. Jeopardy theme song. Now, Vance isn't going to be able to do any indictments until he gets his stuff in March uh, mm. or June. March, sometime between March and June. So I'm going to say point. Trump inaugural. All right. Because Tish is looking into that. Tish James. And then I will do Tom Barrick. Yes. Or think, sorry, Trump inaugural, not Trump org. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, totally. And then you're doing Barrick. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm going to do uh, Broidy. I'm going to bring mm. back Broidy. Sweet. Uh, God, Jordan, one more for you. Wait. To go nope, down. Two more. Two more for, two more for you. Uh, okay. I will do a... Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to bring Russia back into the mix with a rando Russian. Oh. Nice. I don't think any Russians are going to get indicted by Bill Barr until after this mess is over, but that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's going to my last one? What skeevy chode do I want to pick <laughs> for my last one? Oh, Papadopoulos already went to jail. <laughs> I just hate that guy. I just wanted to go again. I know. He's running for <clears throat> office still, isn't he? Yes. Is he running for Mike Levin's seat? I don't know. I think it's an Orange County seat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yuck. Um, (sighs) Let's go with Jislaine. Oh, yep. Where's she been, you know? Hiding out? God, who knows? That is the biggest question, Probably Boca Raton. That just seems like where they all hang out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do... Hmm... I'll do, I guess, you know what? I'm going to do the fucking NRA. Nice. Do it. Yes. All right. That's how we play Fantasy Indictment League. We will be right back with the interview with uh, Maya Wiley. So stick, stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this segment of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Skillshare. Every time I go on Twitter or debate a flat earther, it reminds me that lifelong learning is very important. So uh, no matter how old we are, we can still continually learn and grow and develop new skills. That's why I love Skillshare. They make it really easy for me because I'm kind of a scaredy cat. They're an online learning community with amazing classes covering a wide array of creative and entrepreneurial skills. With Skillshare, you'll get unlimited access to thousands of classes with everything from graphic design and photography to illustration and classes on brand building, creating online shops and producing viral content. That's a really good class. I took that one. Skillshare helps you unlock styles and strategies today's creators need to know and allows you to share and collaborate with growing community, a growing community of over 7 million creators. That's so huge. Skillshare believes the best way to learn is by putting your skills to use. So every class has a project that lets you practice and get feedback. I love that with Skillshare, you get to create projects you're proud to share through classes that include prompts and resources. Uh, Whether you're returning to a longtime passion project or challenging yourself to get out 
outside of your comfort zone, which is me, uh, or simply exploring something new. Skillshare has classes for you. Uh, the class I'm excited to take now is in 3D printing. I've always been really fascinated by 3D printing. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a free special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right, access to their huge catalog. Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access. It's 25,000 classes or so, and you get access to that for two months for free. So sign up, go to Skillshare.com AG. Again, that's Skillshare.com AG to start your two months now. One more time, Skillshare.com AG. You'll be glad you did. And joining us today for the interview is uh, NBC News and MSNBC legal analyst and American civil rights activist Maya Wiley. Welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited to speak with you. We've had many of your colleagues on, including Joyce Vance and Barb McQuaid, Katie Fang, Sam Vinograd, uh, Asha Rangappa. We finally got to meet you at Politicon this year. So it's a real honor to be able to speak with you because you're somewhat of a celebrity with our listeners because of your uh, infamous interaction with Mr. Sam Nunberg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, uh, I am just pleased to be here. And it was a great pleasure to spend some time with you at Politicon. Thank you. Same. So I wanted to ask your opinion on impeachment going forward. Uh, Now that we know we voted on the two articles in the judiciary, uh, and now that we know we will not get Trump's tax information, at least from Mazars and Deutsche Bank, until the summer in the Supreme Court, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but that's sort of what everyone's saying is June-July timeframe. Lots of people are eager now to get the articles of impeachment to the full House for a vote and then on to the Senate. But some are saying we should hold off or not send them to the Senate at all. What would be the implications on, of that? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I, first of all, I have to say it's a fascinating discussion and debate. And I think people are um, largely making very thoughtful uh, raising very thoughtful questions. So I just want to say that at the outset. I, first of all, I would separate out the tax return issue from the impeachment proceedings for now. I understand why people put those two together, but they, they really shouldn't be put together. And the reason I say that is, you know, the assumption is just getting the tax returns and the financial information itself will provide some smoking gun, and I think that's a mistake to make that assumption. Generally speaking, the way investigations work around financial arrangements, it, it actually takes a lot of time to dig underneath the numbers and you know figure out what they mean, let alone determine whether there's another impeachable offense there. I'm not suggesting there's not a lot of smoke, and certainly Congress should be getting those documents. I don't think there's any question of that. I'm hopeful the Supreme Court will come out with the right ruling, but but I do think it's a, it's it's the congressional oversight authority on many of the investigations that are ongoing. It's not the financial transactions are only one of them, right? I mean, and Adam Schiff has said he's going to continue to be investigating. I think all of that is appropriate. Um, so that's I would separate it out from from the issues we have at hand because remember. Rightly, I think the Democrats have said they're focusing on the abuse of power around our elections and our national security uh, and including obstruction of Congress related to that. I think that is right, and I think it is right because Dem- Donald Trump has demonstrated, one, that he his campaign was completely willing to get whatever it could from foreign governments in the form of Russia, as we know from the Mueller report, 
put aside whether or not Mueller could prove conspiracy, it was very clear in the report, and Mueller was very clear about the regular contacts, and Donald Trump himself said he didn't see anything wrong with it. Now, once we have the Mueller report out, once Robert Mueller comes and testifies to Congress, it is the very next day Mm -hmm. that he has the call with the Ukrainian president, the very next day asking for a favor. And then in October, when this we're in full-blown impeachment inquiry mode, he publicly says, I think China should investigate Joe Biden too. And, and, and says that, you know, he's got power in trade talks, meaning using the powers of the presidency for his own political gain. So I think he has made very clear that he is not going to stop and that it's in fact going to be the very same conduct. You know, the issue of the Senate, I I think people who are saying hold off in part are hoping that there's something that's going to make this a less partisan process and one that is focused on fact. I've seen no evidence of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's critically important that, um, that, that, the process happen. I think there are some interesting arguments about how Democrats uh, might use the fact that Mitch McConnell has made these incredibly disturbing statements about essentially no sunlight between him and 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 creating an impeachment trial and the and the Trump White House. That's that's very disturbing. But there there may be ways for them to think about how they use this as leverage for creating a much more fair uh, and constitutional trial process. But I, I don't, I don't, I think that time does matter in the sense that the elections matter. And the, the more that we can do to make it clear that this is about the constitution, this is about loyalty to the United States and that, and that there is sufficient evidence here, the other investigations are going to continue to go on in any event. And I think it's important to our democratic process that they go on in any event. Yeah, and I, th- I think I was just listening to uh, Asha Rangappa was on uh, on topic with Renato Mariotti and, and was saying that another downside of that is withholding the articles from the Senate could give Trump uh, a due process defense in the matter. Uh, and, you know, we definitely don't want to feed the <laughs> feed the trolls, as it were. Right, right. Well, and I think I think that's right. I think there are many ways in which also the Republicans can spin, you know, um, the 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 Democrats playing with the process in a way that feels like a manipulation to the American public. I think that's dangerous. I think when Nancy Pelosi came out last week and said, I'm not whipping my members. I'm not, people have to vote their conscience. People have to look at the facts and they have to vote their conscience. I think that is the right principled position to take. And I do think our integrity matters as a, in terms of our process so in that sense, there should be agreement between Democrats and Republicans about the integrity of the process because it is enshrined in the Constitution. And if, if anything, I think with this impeachment trial, what, is, what has been on trial is the Constitution itself. And that's a shame. And you had briefly touched on McConnell saying he would be working with the White House at every step of the Senate trial. And of course, We know what Lindsey Graham has recently said, said he's not even trying to pretend to be a fair juror, um, not even trying to hide it. 
despite during the Clinton impeachment asking for all of the members just to listen and be open minded. I mean, it's the height of hypocrisy. It, it really is. And I'm wondering how, how does that have any legal impact on this proceeding? I mean, we have so few impeachment trials to to go by historically. Um, but I mean, how do you how does Judge, you know, Chief Justice Roberts swear in Lindsey Graham knowing that he said that? I mean, it just doesn't seem feasible. How could the Democrats, I mean, what what could the Democrats do? What kind of case could they make about, about that kind of a statement? Well, the case, the case that the Democrats can make is in the court of public opinion. There There is no legal process here. And, uh, you know, Justice Roberts doesn't have the power to do anything about that statement. He can only administer the oath. And that is because the founders placed the sole power of impeachment and even how the process would work in the hands of, in the case of the trial, in the hands of the Senate. And it uses the word, for those listeners who watched the impeachment hearings closely when the constitutional law scholars testified before the House Judiciary Committee, you know, I think it was Professor Gephardt kept making this point that the Constitution uses the word sole. S-O-L-E, Congress, the House has the sole authority over articles of impeachment and deciding whether to charge the president and essentially with impeachable offenses. And the Senate has the sole power to determine whether, uh, you know, a conviction or acquittal and, and then if, if conviction, whether or not to remove. Mm-hmm. And so those, that really means that the, that the judiciary does not have a role. Um, and and I think the the reason for that, the only reason the chief justice has a role in this case for impeachment of a president, the chief justice does not have a role if we're impeaching judges. It's because the vice president can't serve, <laughs> uh, you know, and the, the, because the vice president would have a vested interest in the outcome. <laughs> At least that was the idea. So the presiding officer is really making evidentiary rulings um, and probably will not make a lot of those if, if, if history um, uh, is, is, our, is our lesson. It's really the senators themselves that decide pretty much everything. And I, I think that's, that was something that Alexander Hamilton actually worried about uh, in, in the Federalist Papers. He talked about the fact that they knew they were creating a system that was um, that was political and that would be driven by politics, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, because the decision would be with elected members of, of of Congress. But they but he was very explicit about feeling that placing the trial and conviction in the Senate, which would be the more rational, um, the more sober, ha- you know, part of Congress compared to the House, you know, was part of their way of thinking that they were creating enough of a balance that senators would do the right thing. And I think what Lindsey Graham and what Mitch McConnell have done is spat on the Federalist Papers. I mean, that's the only way I can, they, founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves if they heard these comments based on what we saw that they wrote about what this meant to our constitution. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot of heavy stuff. And, and I mean, the, the ultimate fact of the matter is it will play out how it plays out and we just will we will be witnesses to it so um and uh real quick before i let you go you recently wrote a piece maybe not real quick but 
uh, because I, it's pretty it's pretty weighty. But you wrote a piece on why you think Bill Barr has earned an impeachment inquiry himself. There, there's been a lot of uh, our listeners asking, like, who holds Bill Barr responsible if somebody wants to do now impeachment, as we know, is not a criminal pr- proceeding. It's a political proceeding. But, uh, you know, and we can talk about that. But also just wondering who holds him if somebody needs to make a criminal referral against Bill Barr. Who does that and where does it go? So it seems like impeachment is probably the only remedy. What what say you? Well, it's a really interesting question. First of all, let me say, I think he's earned impeachment, an impeachment inquiry. I don't know whether he's committed a crime. And I, I say that because the issue is an investigation. I mean, impeachment inquiry creates the investigation um, in Congress. And if he had, if there was evidence that sufficient uh, to show that he had committed a crime, you know, there would lots of things could happen, but he he clearly is not above the law. And whether it's a violation of state laws, um, obviously it would be, you know, district attorneys or state proceeding Um, in the context of of the federal government. We, what we would expect was he'd be recused obviously from any investigation and there would be an investigation by, there would still be an investigation, but he would not have the power to, intervene in it in any way. I think the issue here is not whether enough we have sufficient evidence to say he should be criminally investigated. It's that as a member, as a cabinet member, as someone who has a constitutional obligation to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the laws of the land, that his literally um, spinning, you know, started, of course, with him spinning the Mueller report and 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 spinning it in a way that that in and of itself may not have been impeachable, but certainly as we heard from um, from Robert Mueller uh, uh, that that he that he did have concerns about how um, Bill Barr was summarizing his findings. We know that um, I won't go through that whole list, but if you fast forward. You know, the, his behavior in undermining the reputation of the FBI in, in, in personally going after what have been debunked conspiracy theories using the power of the office. Potentially, we don't know, but there was, there was, it, there, there was his involvement in what his involvement was in withholding the whistleblower complaint from Congress, which was an extraordinary decision on the part of the Justice Department. And from from some of the news reporting, there seemed to be indication that he had involvement in that decision. How much I don't know, whether it was inappropriate, I don't know. But that is pretty dramatic in, in and of itself. And then he literally appears to be going on a Donald Trump defense uh, investigation spree, including when we have an independent the inspector general doing the job of determining whether there had been any political bias in the FBI launching the Russia probe in the first place and whether or not it was quote unquote spying on the Trump campaign. I mean, we were all shocked when in addition to having an IG and in, inspector general um, examining that he then goes and creates another investigation process by appointing Mr. Mr. Durham, the U.S. attorney from, from Connecticut, to investigate. And most recently, he's just, I wrote that piece before Bill Barr came out, challenged the findings of a, of a, of a lengthy investigation by the uh, inspector general, an investigation in which he interviewed 170 witnesses, uh, reviewed, I think, over a million documents, uh, is, 
is has a reputation of being extremely above board and says he found no evidence of any political bias in in the uh, inception of the FBI's investigation into Russia interference, which we know has been <laughs> found to be the case both by the intelligence community but also by the Robert Mueller report. It's astounding, and it makes very clear that he is using his powers of office in a way that is personally benefiting Donald Trump. That is not the job of an attorney general. That is not his job, and it, it has been significant enough that I think it merits what is very rare in our history, which is a congressional inquiry into whether he himself has earned impeachment. If, if, if in that process there's also evidence that some of that conduct was criminal, not only is that grounds for impeachment, they can refer that um, to the FBI for investigation. So I am not saying that that he has committed a crime, mm -hmm. but remember impeachment is not is not triggered only by crime. It is triggered by abuse of the office, mm -hmm. abuse of the oath, abuse of the role that is significant enough to merit removal. Yeah, 100%. And then even recently, more recently, that um, uh, I think he drew that arbitrary line. There was a, a FOIA request um, for communications about uh, Ukraine and that whole scheme. And Department of Justice, in the middle of the impeachment markup hearings, released, I think, 147 pages of, of communications, all redacted. Um, and that just seems a, a defiance of court order as these are, uh, you know, I'm assuming unclassified. We don't know what's behind those redactions. I mean, we can guess. But, um, you know, knowing that, for instance, Mike Pence's call, September 18th call with Zelensky is not uh, classified or, you know, for national security reasons, but um, for probably hiding a crime or embarrassing political information. So, I mean, it, it, it just keeps happening and just goes beyond anything we've ever seen. And, and the, the, they've given them till January 8th now, I think, to release these documents and do a broader um, release of, of other communications between Pompeo and Giuliani, at least in the State Department. But it's just it just seems like a like just a blatant defiance of a court order, which is is sort of something that the Trump administration so far has been able to avoid doing. <laughs> um, but I think we're getting down to the end here when these court orders are going to f force the release of some of these things. And, and it just seems like we're going to continue to get stonewalling from, from the Justice Department and the White House. Yeah. And I, I think this goes exactly to the second article of impeachment, right, which is a b a c obstruction of Congress. And it's, it, it is, it is, so it's not the only instance, um, because of course, you know, we we had we have evidence of obstruction of of justice from the Trump White House, specifically from Donald Trump himself in the Mueller report, uh, and and in several of those instances, uh, Robert Mueller finding substantial evidence of obstruction of justice, and this is part and parcel of that same pattern, except that. You know, remember, Don McGahn drew the line. Don McGahn actually comes out in the Mueller report as the White House counsel not willing to violate the law or take direction he believes is inappropriate from the president of the United States, even though he was appointed by him. And that is exactly what 
we expect from public servants. It does not appear to be what we're getting from Bill Barr and or or frankly from other members of that White House uh, cabinet or senior advisors. I'm still shocked that John Bolton has refused to do the right thing here. Yeah. And I, I say not shocked in that I don't understand what his self-interests are and not doing the right thing, but that's why doing the right thing is about the moral character of the person. You put your self-interest behind the interests of the country that you have sworn to serve. John Bolton took an oath. Um, John Bolton, I believe, is someone who does care about the national security of the country, and certainly the the information we have coming out of the uh, impeachment process suggests that there is nothing that prevents him from testifying before Congress or, or, or being deposed. And it's just probably the most disheartening thing to me is that we have, we see, we see evidence of people who've been appointed by the Donald Trump trying to do the right thing and stopping short when it comes to congressional oversight power. That's, goes directly to the separation of powers and the branches of our government. And that is a central concept to our democracy. It is the, it is exactly how the founding fathers um, kept us from creating a monarchy, except we now have a conspiracy. I think is the only way to think about it. A conspiracy for making the presidency of the United States so powerful that Congress becomes simply a bully pulpit for having shouting matches rather than an oversight authority that's based on fact and that can get access to information that it needs to do the work of the American people. And I just think that's shocking. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and I, th- you know, you, you'd mentioned Mueller was alluded to in the articles of impeachment, each one at least uh, implied into the totality of the evidence and, pat- and a pattern of behavior to develop pattern behavior. And I, I suspect we'll see an explanation, a more detailed explanation of that um, implied totality of the evidence in the report that's due out today, which is Sunday by by midnight from uh, from the House stems. So. Um, I think we'll they'll they'll go into a little more detail, but the you know I think the the overarching theme is the totality of evidence and and the pattern of behavior at least as far as the impeachment goes. Absolutely, I agree with you. All right, well, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with us today, uh, NBC News and and uh, MSNBC legal analyst Maya Wiley. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody, that's our show. Thank you so much for being with us uh, this weekend, um, pre-impeachment weekend, provided they vote on articles, which I am assuming they will this week, although we've had a couple of surprises. So you never know. Um, so we're just going to, uh, I think Maddo said Friday night, she's like, look, humility, we don't know what's happening. You know, <laughs> she's 100% right. I'm just going to wait to see what happens and then tell you about it. Although I do like putting beans on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, that, you know, with the understanding that it's beans. Yeah. Um, to correct myself from earlier in terms of the impeachment rallies, I found this, there's rallies you can sign up for Tuesday, like you said, Tuesday, December 17th, and you can sign up at impeach.org. Impeach.org. Yes. Cool. Cool. Any final thoughts? No. Not for me. Yeah. At this moment in time. Um, any for me? No. (laughs) Just thanks all for listening. Yeah. We appreciate it. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, if you have any corrections for us, I forgot to tell you, uh, after corrections, just go to MullerSheWrote.com, mm-hmm. click contact, select corrections, and make us a compliment sandwich, and we will read it out on the air unless you ask us not to. So, yeah, uh, And we will be uh, doing a separate bonus episodes 
for um, for all the fun mm. sort of non-political corrections that, that we have for, for our patrons. Yeah, and the non-political corrections that we did get, your compliments and your compliment sandwiches were very sweet, so thank you. Yes, thank yeah. you. They make us very happy. Yay. Uh, all right, that's it. Everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production, and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House, thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. M.S.W. Media.